as artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode of Rockship.fm is brought to you by Clubhouse, the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone together so that teams can focus on what matters, creating products their customers love. With a simple API and robust set of integrations, Clubhouse also seamlessly integrates with the tools that you already use every day. Listeners of Rocketship FM can sign up for two free months of Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io forward slash Rocketship FM. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially when you're a small business. Gusto is making payroll, benefits, and HR easy for modern small businesses. You no longer have to be part of a big company to get great technology, great benefits, and a great service to take care of your team. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. You sign up today, you will get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com slash rocket chip again gusto.com slash rocket chip now back to the show 
Happy New Year and welcome back. Today on the show, we have the one and only Arlen Hamilton. This was an interview we did for This New Economy, our other podcast on diversity in tech. But we covered a lot of ground with Arlen and we're releasing the interview for the first time in its entirety right here. We talk about her journey into VC, um, how she built the company from the ground up, raising her first fund without ever even raising venture capital before. And then, of course, we talk about diversity and her initiatives with Backstage Capital and how she's trying to make a difference in this industry. This is a great interview. I really hope you enjoy it. So stay tuned. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. In season four of Rocketship, we are diving into everything product and growth. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka and Mike Belsito. So I wanted to start off kind of with your your background, how how you came into you know venture capital and even before that kind of tech and your interest in the in the space. Sure, yeah, definitely um, was not expecting to be a venture capitalist. <laughs> sure, <laughs> uh, I don't think I don't think a lot of people are, um, <laughs> right. but I definitely was not. So I um, I was. My past work has included uh, publishing a print magazine, um, working on tour f- with everyone from, you know, garage band from Norway to, uh, you know, Tony Braxton, Jason Derulo um, in stadiums. So wow. that's um, kind of, you know, a, a tiny part of my background. I also, for a long time, a few years, ran a, a website called Your Daily Lesbian Moment, which okay. was uh, 50,000 uh, women and uh, I say gay women and gay adjacent women okay. um, would uh, would read it every month. And it was just um, it was kind of uh, my main gig for a few years and really loved it. And then um, around 2012, I just got really interested in this, what the startup world was. I just started hearing more and more about startups in general, you know, um, different, different celebrities and their, and their managers were investing small amounts of money into these little companies that had two or three employees and, and were able to, to, to scale really quickly. And I thought it was just super fascinating. So I just started doing a lot of research. I would imagine, um, you know, it, it, it's similar to your audience, you know, just reading everything I can, listening to everything I can. Yeah. Um, definitely thought of myself as a as an entrepreneur and a founder. I still do. And I think of uh, our, our fund today as a startup fund um, itself. So yeah. I got really interested. And then when I started reaching out to companies and, and investors and getting into the mix of things, just remotely working with different companies to connect them, I started noticing really, really quickly that um, there was a disparity in the funding. And at the same time, there was a lot of um, writings and articles that were being done starting around that same time, like 2013 is when I started seeing a lot of these articles about uh, a conscious, unconscious bias, and you know these stark numbers of eight percent of funding goes to women and people yeah. of color, which is is has gotten much better over the past two or three years, but is is definitely has a long way to go. Yeah. So I saw that, and um, you know I've always 
felt I've always sort of, um, I guess, followed my arrow, as it were. I've always followed my instincts and my instincts were telling me that something needed to be done and and that I could probably um, find a way to be part of that if I if I took some initiative. So I set out to do that. Do you feel like I, 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 I hear you describing this almost as an advantage? Um, at, at the point, I mean, you guys are, are investing in a segment that, that largely may feel like they never had access to venture capital, um, in, in that way. How, what have you learned from, from really going out there and, and kind of raising the flag and saying, Hey, I, I, the money is here, um, for your idea. Sure. I mean, I've learned, um, I would say eight out of 10 companies that I talk to in general who are, have some sort of underrepresented person bleeding them. Um, they just say like we don't even get it. We don't even get a chance to like state our case in the room. We don't even mm-hmm. get a chance to be in the room because if you think about like a lot of times how people talk about how they got investments or how they even had a conversation with a VC or with an investor. Uh, I've heard like a lot of conversations where like, yeah, I was in the bathroom and uh, like, standing next to this guy. And it was like, or, you know, my, I, I really love the Chris Saka. Chris Saka is one of our LPs and he's yeah. really, really amazing guy. But I just really think it's funny. Like a lot of his stories start with like, yeah, I was in the jacuzzi. With this <laughs> it's like, I, like, can you imagine like if I'm a uh, me, a black female founder, <laughs> and I, I want to get an edge with Chris Saka. You're not going to find me in his jacuzzi. I right. mean, for many reasons, many <laughs> right. reasons. Love you, Chris, but I'm not coming to jacuzzi. And so it's, it's just like, um, uh, so that the, the access certainly, and I think what, I think what people would be surprised by, which is kind of not a great thing, but people would be surprised by like how also like not different the founders are. Like there are a lot of founders in our portfolio who did go to Ivy league schools, who did excel mm-hmm. there, who, you know, who, who, who do have the fallback of the parents. Um, you know, it's just a mixture. I think it's like about looking at us as, as not just one thing. Uh, it's about just, um, having the voice and being able to, to be in the room. There are people that I, that are in our portfolio that should have their own movies, Okay. (laughs) There's this, there's a woman in our portfolio that I'm thinking of right now. I won't say who it is because I don't want to like discount anyone else, but she should have her own hidden figures movie. (laughs) And and it's just like, and people I'm introducing her to people and people are like, like to other investors and like, where did she come from? Who is this person? I'm like, Oh my gosh, she's been there. She's been there. All you have to do is jump on a Southwest flight. She wasn't in Silicon Valley. That's uh, that's the thing. She wasn't there, and she wasn't in the, in um, at the you know I guess the creamery is a place people like. I don't know. She wasn't like <laughs> hanging at the 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 places that you would imagine like these guys are going to be. So sure. I don't know. So it's um I've learned I've learned a lot. I've also just been kind of like reaffirmed in in a lot of what I believed already because. Uh, had 36 years to walk around in the skin. So I know like you don't have to convince me as a woman that you have, you have it uh, a little bit more difficult than a guy. You don't have to convince me as a person of color that you certainly have a lot of things to worry about when you walk outside today, especially today. Um, And yeah, I mean, I I learn something new every day and I get reaffirmed every day. 
But you, I will say this, you know, you, you mentioned um, it being an advantage. I'll tell you the, the easiest way to know that I feel that it's an advantage being underrepresented right now yeah. is that I have access to all sorts of deal flow. Yeah. Um, from founders who are traditional, quote unquote. Mm. And I don't even look that way. I could, I could start a separate fund. Yeah. I think, I truly believe this is where I will make my wealth because like every bet is a bet on someone who is so ready, waking up, ready to kill it. And that's who I want to make a bet on. Someone who has been through something whether, whether or not that's been like down and out, mm-hmm. it could just be you are, at, you are at an Ivy league school school, but perhaps it took a lot more for you to get there. Right. So you're, you know, um, those are the types of people I want to bet on today. They're the types of people I want to bet on during a really tough market, you yeah. know, because they know when, when things fail and things fall through, they're not going to crumble for the most part because they they haven't had it so great their whole lives so that it's not scary to them when things fall through and you have to kind of have that toughness as a founder so they're just just a great yeah it's a great bet yeah yeah someone said i was pattern matching for grit that's for sure (laughs) that's Yeah, I mean, right. It's it's not like a a life advantage, but there's there's something special that you see there. Um that yeah. I, I think when once you articulate it, um it's it's a it's a beautiful thing, right? It's like you take the some of the negative and you turn it into a positive in a way. It's um, like the facts of life theme song. <laughs> you take the good, you take, you the, take bad. the bad, right? <laughs> <laughs> and there you have. We'll be right back after a quick word. From our sponsors. This episode of Rockchip FM is brought to you by Clubhouse, the first project management platform for software development that brings everyone together so that teams can focus on what matters, creating products their customers love. And speaking of building products that customers love, we've hired a professional voice actress to read off some of the fantastic testimonials that we've gathered about Clubhouse, like this one from Clinton Gromley, the Elastic Stack team lead. Clubhouse is fine-grained enough that each sub-team can track the task they're working on, but allows us to zoom out to the team, product, or stack level. Or this one from John Kudmal, the CTO and co-founder of LaunchDarkly. Clubhouse provides the ability to work on a task list at the smallest level where I can check things off all the way up to tracking my entire company's engineering velocity at the milestone level. Or this one from Molly Wolfberg, the product manager at Wistia. Clubhouse provides enough data and a way to view that data, which means it's easy to slice and dice the numbers and makes the team more productive. Listeners of Rocketship.fm can sign up for two free months of Clubhouse by visiting clubhouse.io forward slash Rocketship.fm. This episode is brought to you today by Gusto. Payroll and benefits are hard, especially for small businesses. You don't have the time to be an expert on things like taxes and regulations. And there are old school payroll providers that exist, but they're just not built for the modern business. Gusto is making payroll benefits and HR easy for small businesses. Modern technology does the heavy lifting, so it's easy to get things right. Now, again, there is some competition for Gusto out there, but Gusto actually has a lot of things going for them. 
PC Mag and Fit Small Business, they've called Gusto the best payroll for small businesses. Gusto makes payroll a breeze. In fact, nine out of 10 users say Gusto is easier to use than other payroll solutions. And Gusto definitely saves you time. 72% of customers, they actually spend less than five minutes to run payroll. I know a lot of people that spend way more. Gusto is reliable. Four out of five customers actually reduce payroll errors after switching. And if you don't believe it, just Google it. People love Gusto. And how often do you actually love your payroll provider? Almost never. Most small businesses, they don't have an HR expert, but you don't need one to use Gusto. With great software and great service, you can focus on your business, not on your payroll or your paperwork. To help support the show, Gusto is offering our listeners an exclusive limited time deal. Sign up today and you'll get three months free once you run your first payroll. Just go to gusto.com forward slash rocket ship. That's gusto.com forward slash rocket ship. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Now, back to the show. So you've sure. raised <laughs> you've raised money um, from a lot of the big founders, like you know Andreessen. You mentioned Saka, um, you know partners at Kleiner Perkins. Um, what have sure. you learned from going out and um, and and you know raising money for your fund? from them um, as you know, they've traditionally not uh, paid attention to, to this space and these, these causes. Well, you know, like the people you're mentioning, I think that they were already paying attention and that's why they were the ones to say yes. So like Andreessen, just as a fund, they're definitely more diverse. Mm. Their founders are more diverse than, than the average. Um, I would say that, you know, Swati at, at Kleiner Perkins, she was already, um, She's a woman of color herself, sure, right, so right. she was already looking. And she also knows that um, I think she was already looking for something like this. So a lot of times the found the um, investors in our fund, if you look at the list, it's not so much me convincing them of something. It's that they already had figured this, this out and, and said that perhaps they weren't the best person to go out and try to do this brick, brick by brick. But if they could back someone else who was already doing it, then that could be their their resistance and their, you know, yeah. um, peek into things and, and help with things. And then also, I think, you know, people like Mark Andreessen and Chris Saka, um, who are billionaires, who... Um, you know, take it or leave it. Like they're, um, they're going to be okay. Right. right. <laughs> I, think that I think they're just really smart when they look at it like, okay, I'm not necessarily going to be in the same room as backstage capital will be in. Mm -hmm. And I want to, I don't, I know that taking risks is where they, you know, I've made my wealth. So this is just one more of those you know, diversifying, truly diversifying. Um, and so then we have a, you know, people like Susan Kimberlin and uh, Jocelyn Goldfine from Zeta Ventures and Lars Rasmussen and um, Heather Hiles. And there's a, there's a lot of women that are invested in us mm -hmm. and uh, people of color that are invested. And I think that it's just our LP base is is as diverse as the world, yeah. <laughs> as the country is. Yeah. And um, it, that's actually getting better and better too. those numbers. Do you feel like, um, I mean, you, you, there was something interesting there. You, you don't have to, to answer, but you, you said uh, wouldn't be in the same room as. And I wonder if there is, like, is there there's something to you, um, you know, being a woman, being a person of color and being out there um, yeah. that, that gives you access that, you know, maybe Mark Andreessen, no matter how hard they tried, might not 
get simply sure. because they can't relate uh, on certain levels of that is just realistic. On certain levels, yes. Yeah. So it, it it's like if you think about it, if a, if a if a founder of any background, race, creed, color, uh, wants Andreessen to be an investor in their company, the found the Andreessen could probably get a deal with them, right? Right. But the the difference is like, would Andreessen have the infrastructure in place to see that founder if they were not right in front of them, like right. if they were not part of the the current pipeline and they have really great deal flow. Like they have yeah. a great, incredible deal flow, but they still, maybe they don't, the tentacles don't reach the, uh, you know, the co-working spot in Detroit where yeah. people know exactly this is where I'm going to fit, fit in. And this is where I'm going to be included. And maybe I know that a little bit better because I've been there mm. and because I, 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 I consistently, um, have a relationship there. And then again, it, like it's, if you look at it, like women and men, um, it's the same thing we were talking about earlier. It's like, like we, like we talk, right. Women talk. We, we, we have our own kind of, I think they call, call it the whisper network. So we, we, if you are, um, like if, if an investor treats a a, a woman founder poorly, like a lot of women founders know about it within mm. hours. And so that was happening consistently. Like I you wouldn't believe some of the stuff I've heard. Oh my God. Like really ridiculous stuff that I've heard has, has been said to women, not just this latest thing about like how they describe women, but like really hurtful, misogynistic, ridiculous, ignorant things have been said. Yeah. And so, um, I can, I can go in and say, you know, I, I understand you and I believe you, you know, and let's talk about your company and we don't have, you can like separate the t those two things. You don't have to worry about what you're wearing when you come have a conversation with me. You don't have to worry about, um, you know, a lot of the things that the extra baggage that women have to think about when they walk into a room full of investors or, you know, they're, yeah. they're so proud and happy to have made it into the room. And again, I don't want to make sweeping comments, like not every, yeah. you know, yeah. woman has had this experience. <laughs> but in some cases, you know, if you can take that part away and just have, just like hang out and like have a conversation and I'm going to be as, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm a, a harsh critic. Um, I am very, my standards are super high because I'm investing other people's money. Mm -hmm. This isn't a charity. This isn't my angel money. So I have to say, are you the three are part of the 3% that gets invested in? So it's not just like, uh, all kumbayaing and, um, sure. yeah. you yeah. know, handholding, but it's, it's at least takes away a few things that they would in other cases perhaps have to think about. And that's why there just needs to be more women with the ability to write checks at, at funds in general. Yeah. It's not just yeah. me. I'm, I don't have any secret sauce. You know, <laughs> it, it needs to be just a better reflection of what's truly out there. And I think the, the better that gets, you know, over time, the, the, the better investment choices will be made yeah. and it'll, it'll trickle down. I want to talk to about some of the ideas that are coming out of your fund. Um, Cause there's some interesting ones that are definitely focused on demographics that we don't often see in Silicon Valley. Right. We, I, you, um, like, uh, text engine, right. Um, sure. 
when you, we can talk about specifics or, or we can talk about kind of general um, ideas that come out of um, the the people, the uh, underrepresented uh, founders um, and the problems mm-hmm. that they see in the world. How, mm-hmm. Can you, you speak to me a, a bit about that? Yeah. So for us, uh, it, it, it is a, um, there's a variety. So what I really to be honest, what I really love is that the majority of the companies in our portfolio, you wouldn't be able to tell who necessarily is running it. Mm. Um, that's what I really love. It's like, you know, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily take someone to understand a certain demographic or market to get some of these companies. I mean, facial recognition, motion recognition is hugely scalable. And, you know, we have that in our portfolio. Um, on it by itself, it's hugely scalable. But then what's kind of interesting is that because it's run by a black man, Kairos, the company I'm referring to, Mm -hmm. they can also look at it from the lens of like, you know, there was, um, a time where if you Googled, uh, I forgot exactly the, the order of the words, but if you Googled like a black person, you sometimes like animals would come up in the, And the, and the search and the image search, like really, really terrible. Okay. This is Google, you know? Yeah, yeah. So like, so you take a company like Kairos, which is, can be for anyone for any reason. It's B2B. Like there's thousands of use cases for it. And they've, they've already proven that they have millions in revenue, but then you can kind of look at it like, oh, we, we can also help solve this problem for a Google or this problem for a Facebook because we wake up with that on our minds, maybe in a way that wouldn't be on someone else's mind. So there's that within it, which I think is like a cool complex um, thing that's, that's happening. And then, yeah, of course there's going to like, there's going to, there are, there are going to be companies that are led by women that speak to women, to other women as their, as their market. And um, I saw like a, I saw like this announcement that this one company had been bought by this other company and it was like a women's, like a, the, the, tar- the market was like women, total women, okay. millions of women. And the pic, the picture associated was two, two dudes and they were like celebrating. They're like, yeah. And I was like, but, okay, great. Great. Fantastic. You, you do you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so with us, like, I think people are really like, um, I'm really sensitive to looking at, why you, why are you the person to do this? Like maybe the company makes a lot of sense, but what is your pain point? And I think as we, as I go further and further along and like, as myself learn about investing and, you know, I didn't, I didn't know much starting out. So like, as I learn what I like and what my taste is, what I'm really drawn to are people who are, who are solving their own problem. Mm whatever that may be. So like, I think I can, I can imagine uh, a future fund of mine that is like, that is the thesis. You have to be solving your own problem or, or it doesn't make sense. So there's a lot of that. Very nice. Um, how about your, your, your deal flow, um, today you, you mentioned kind of like Detroit and, and people outside of, Silicon Valley, where are you seeing kind of uh, hotbeds of of undiscovered um, potential ideas and talent coming in? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm super bullish on the U.S., first of all. Okay. Um, I know there's a lot of stuff going on in other countries and, and um, 
like funds that are focused on that. And I think that's wonderful. I personally am just really excited about the untapped potential in the 50 states. And so like, I think Portland, Oregon is super interesting. Portland, Oregon is um, probably top three for me when it comes to like emerging cities uh, in general for tech and then specifically for diversity. So if you haven't been there, um, check out their scene. They've, they've got, they've got funds, they've got government involved. They've got a lot of things going on there. Um, definitely Miami, South Florida area, super, super diverse. Detroit is great. Detroit is like really, um, really moving and Minneapolis actually, I recently went there for the first time and then I'm going back this week to do a fireside. Um, and I was just really, really impressed with what's going on in Minneapolis. It's, it's cool. It's very cool. Oh, and, um, Durham, Durham, um, North Carolina, North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Nice. Like there's this place called American underground in Durham and um, it's just like millions of dollars to put into this, like several thousand foot, like two buildings. Um, and it's just really awesome. And and I think if you look at, I think that um, Google for Entrepreneurs is doing a really good job of, of finding these places. So mm. actually, I would say if you want to know what's happening, actually, and these, this isn't even a, a VC fund, but they're really, they have their finger on the pulse, Code 2040. Okay. Um, that nonprofit is actually, I don't know how many cities they're in, but they, um, they have EIRs in these different cities who are tasked with like making this, the city more diverse technically and like bringing attention to those cities. And like every, every time I run into a code 2040, um, EIR, I know that there's like high quality deal flow there. There's, there's something going on there. So they, I think, and they've been doing this for like maybe two and a half years, okay. like ahead of the curve a little bit. Yeah. So there's certainly, um, and then I, you know, I was raised in Dallas, Texas, and I, there's a lot going on in Houston, Dallas, Austin, San Antonio. Those are really interesting to me. And I think so, like 80% of our companies are outside of California uh, or outside of, sorry, outside of Silicon Valley um, area. We have a lot going on in Los Angeles. I'd be remiss if I didn't say that because that's where I'm based. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Los Angeles is, I think it's on the come up for sure. There's a lot of people that are moving here, like in droves moving here. And I think it's, I think over the next 24 months, like LA is going to emerge as probably second, uh, only to Silicon Valley. I think it's gonna like New York is, is, is really hot right now. There's a lot of money there. There's a lot of pride there. Um, but I think there's something really interesting happening in Los Angeles and I'm, I'm excited to be on the ride with that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I hope so. (laughs) We used to live yeah. there. So, um, yeah, it's cool. Vacation. It's all right. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, it's all right. right. <laughs> um, I, I, I can't hear you with all the palm trees <laughs> just blowing in my ear. Finally, I just wanted to see if, if you, you had any, um, any, any like advice or, or anything to, to pass on to, um, you know, other founders or, or wannabe founders. Um, who, you know, may feel like, Hey, I, I don't fit in in Silicon Valley. 
Um, or I, I don't know if my opportunity's there. Is there anything that, you know, that, that you've seen that, that helps get people, uh, over the hump? Um, well, <laughs> let's see, let me, let me try to dissect that question. Sorry. Advice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, again, it's just like a lot of, t- I mean, this isn't, I don't know if this is great advice, but I, you know, it's like, keep going, yeah. <laughs> you know, because a lot of the investors that invested in our fund, I knew them. And I, I used to hate hearing this, like, Oh, come back to me in six months, come back to me in a year. Mm-hmm. I used to think it was sort of like a brush off. Right. And in some cases it was, but a lot of cases people were just waiting to see if you had that, if you were going to stay in the game or if you were mm. a tourist. And so a lot of people want things to be right now. They want it to happen now because you think of startups, you think of things happening fast, scalability. I may be a millionaire by the time I'm 25. Oh yes, let's do this. That's not really the reality. Like the reality is like a, a decade to, you know, yeah. of building. And, and some of you may become millionaires because of that. Some of you will just have a really high quality of life because of that. I also think that it's important, and I'm not the first to say this by any measure, but it's important to decide and figure out over the next few months, if you're looking at uh, becoming a founder or you, you already are a founder, are you meant to be a founder or are you meant to be first employee of a really amazing company? And do you, what is the, the trade-off for each and, and would you be okay with the other, with the, with the latter, you know, because, um, being a founder is really, really tough and it can be heartbreaking sometimes. And so there's so, sort of this, like this idea that you have to be a founder to be legitimate. Like it has to be your company, but maybe you're just the most amazing first, second, third employee of a company that you can help shape and not have to go through some of the things that another founder would have to go through to make it happen. So, I mean, there's no shame in that. And you actually, um, can, you know, make a really good living for yourself that way and have a really good time doing it and maybe help change and shift lives doing that. So I don't know. I think it's like a little bit of, of that, um, looking at, looking at things and really taking stock. And then lastly, I would say, um, it's not about the actual working, but it's about taking care of yourself, self-care. I don't think there's a lot of, um, honor and not getting any sleep. Like, mm-hmm. I, it, yeah. you, you, come, you know, I didn't sleep. And so I'm working on my company and that's, that makes it a better company. It does not. It actually makes you less, uh, gives you less of an edge. Yeah. It makes you sloppy. And it also, uh, shortens your lifespan because, you know, lack of sleep is really dangerous. So I don't want to be like, I'm not like Aria, um, Ariana Huffington didn't hire me or anything to, to like uh, talk about <laughs> sleep deprivation, but I really, really, it's really important to me um, for my own self care. And then, and I, I wasn't always like that. I, I definitely learned uh, to, to be like that. And then that this, this, the care of others is like you are doing yourself a disservice, but more importantly, you're doing others a disservice. The people that you're trying to be there for, you're doing them a disservice by being a fraction of yourself, a fraction of what you could be. And so that means getting the right amount of sleep. That means, um, taking care of yourself, taking breaks, having a hobby, looking up at the sky, (laughs) 
feeling the palm yeah. trees. Yeah. Don't tell, me, don't tell me you'll sleep when you're dead because that'll come sooner than you think. If you I know. That. It's true. If you want to find out more about rocketship.fm, go to rocketship.fm. It's pretty simple, right? Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, so you don't miss future episodes in this series. And if you like today's episode, tell a friend. Or two friends, or a lot of friends. We would love it if you would spread the word. We, You could sign up for our newsletter. We have partnered with Product Collective, Mike Belsito's company, to bring you even more content each week. So if you sign up for the newsletter, you're going to get content from Rocketship FM. You're also going to get detailed product content from Product Collective, which is incredibly valuable. And as entrepreneurs, it's one of the most important topics for us to stay up on. So go to rocketship.fm and sign up for our newsletter. If you enjoyed this content, leave us a quick review um, or tell a friend or share the link on Twitter. Anything helps to get the word out about the show. We really appreciate it. We'll be right back here in just a couple days.